Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This is our very special second Katie recapping episode, which my mom enjoyed, by the way. She told me to tell you that she very much enjoyed when you recapped, although she misses her daughter. Oh, that's sweet. It makes me feel good. And I'm not going to lie that I did spend some time today looking at our stats and I wanted to make sure that that episode didn't drop drastically <laughs> in downloads when I was recapping. Let's also be very clear that although this is our first episode of the new year, this is not a trend. No. I will not be But recapping. if you like it, I'm so fine to step away and let Katie recap. No. But I have been deaf for the past two weeks of late oh due to a double ear infection which has now gone into my throat. So my whole head just needs to be, basically if I was decapitated, I would feel better. So this is why Katie is recapping again. But again, I'll step back. No. I don't mind doing less work. I don't like it. I... That's the best part of the recap is that when you tell the story, because then I live it through your eyes. When I tell it, it's just the (laughs) actual story. The the delicate, naive eyes of a child named Kimberly who hates every single person who appears on the show usually for no reason. Just, Just for stupid reasons. And then the next week I'll like someone for that exact same reason. Okay, so tonight we are recapping, because we're a week late with this episode, we're recapping Before Dawn, which premiered Friday the 29th, but actually it was a repeat. So its actual premiere date was September 26, 2014. It is season 23, episode one. You had probably Uh, not seen this episode. I had not seen this episode. Gotcha. Had you you seen it? Multiple times, yes. Oh, so you were well-versed in it. Okay, well then I'm the only... So again, it's called Before Dawn, hosted by Dennis Murphy. Welcome back, Dennis, even though you're not really back because this is a repeat. It's nice to see your face. Dennis, you are enough. And this episode proved it. Oh, it really did. He was interviewing at the toppest of top levels. He was great. He asked all the right questions. In case we have some new listeners, we might have some new listeners. Uh, We refer to Dennis as Dennis is enough. Because, because Mank has his pocket squares and his snarkiness mm-hmm. and his smirk. And his Keith, eyebrows. Yes. Keith has his lean and mm-hmm. his converse and his uh, odd metaphors. His poetry. His poetry. And Andrea has her white superhero pants and her flawless skin, hair, fashion, and her tough questioning and withering stare. True. Dennis does not have a thing so much because he is enough. He doesn't need one. He doesn't need one. He's classic. That was, that was very well put. Yeah, Dennis classic. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay. So our story tonight takes place in Iowa, which is always going to be good. Like, what? Since when? I don't know because we I haven't had an Iowa episode in I kind of want to move there. Really? Yeah, it you, Oh, man, of... you say that every time. I'm done. No, I'm not going to get into this with you. I'm moving on. I'm just skipping right over that. So Todd Codwell, who is interviewed a lot in this, has a little baby girl named Lisa Marie, named after, guess who? Mr. Elvis Presley's daughter, Lisa Marie. Todd tells us that Lisa Marie was a very vivacious teenager. She was a state bowling teen champion, <laughs> which I find fascinating and was really excited about. Oh, my God. That was my OMG moment. <laughs> oh, did I just let it out of the bag immediately? My OMG moment was 
high schools have bowling teams? I had no idea. I didn't know that either. I thought only colleges did. I didn't even know colleges did. The only reason I know colleges did is because a boyfriend that I had once took me early in our relationship on a bowling date. You'll remember this. And we're getting out of the car. And I'm assuming that he, like me and most of America, is like not a great bowler. I mean, you do it. You You go like once a year when it's someone's birthday party. You get really excited if you knock down a majority of the pins. That's a big deal, right? Yeah. It's an exciting thing. And if you bowl a strike, you talk about it for three weeks. I always get more excited about the nachos. Right. (laughs) Don't they have ices there? I think sometimes they have ices. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, we get out of the car. And I say, well, you can't really bowl, right? I mean, you're not a bowler. And he goes, no, no. Well, I mean, I was on a team in college. <laughs> just, just like, he casually uh, dropped. He just, picked. Just he really wanted it. to impress you. He picked and he, he picked was good. Something he and was he was good. He had at. form. He had that leg behind the other leg. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, the, the sweeping. Yeah, full the stance. Oh, I was furious. I said, never again. And before and next time I'll know when we do an activity that's a little off the beaten path. Oh, were you an expert ice skater? You know, no. you go to the thing. Yeah. I mean, I did compete in the Olympics right. once. No. Which is I mean, once. I mean, I was in trials. I just yeah. went to trials. It was no yeah. big deal. No, yeah. I'm not that good. <laughs> so you were excited that the high school had a bowling team? I was shocked. I, because okay. in my head, I go, how do people become professional bowlers? Are they recruiting children? I don't understand how people get into that because high schools don't have a bowling team. This is my thought process. And then it shows the high school team and I go, high schools have bowl I was shocked. Okay, I think we're thinking about this all wrong. I, this is going to be a bad moment because we're being dumb here. It's not. It didn't say high school. This could be a league in the town, a team. No, I think it was high school. I think it was a teen bowling championship, which means the teens had a team. Like through the Y? Right. But it wasn't, or it was sponsored by the bowling that alley. That still but blows not. my okay, mind. Okay, so the whole thing, just because she was a, the whole a thing teenage bowling blows champion. blows my mind. Okay. All right. Anyways, she was super vivacious. She seems like a lot of fun. I think you'd have to be fun to be on a bowling team. I think it, you'd have to be a lot of fun. You can't be a stick in the mud. She was fun. I think she was the life of the party. Yeah, I was going to say. She, they didn't say she lit up a room, but I think she maybe she did. Yeah, I'm going to add life of the party to our bingo cards. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good one. And so Todd and Lisa Marie's mom divorce when she's a teenager. She has three other brothers and sisters, but we really only this entire episode get to meet presley the other sister who's also named after elvis presley people that love elvis man okay they really love elvis. they really they do i liked when dateline did its classic subtle diss of the small town at the beginning by saying the cornfields of iowa are a far piece from memphis yeah they did they opened but it was that. here yeah. that a baby girl was named after a princess dateline always has to throw in those little digs love it about the small towns love it so todd uh, Lisa Marie's father is a sheriff deputy for the Wapello County, and he meets and marries a woman named Amy. Lisa Marie and her stepmom, Amy, pretty close. They seem pretty tight, uh, which doesn't always happen, especially I would think that wouldn't happen. And if you were a surly teenager and your parents got divorced, it was surprising to me. She wasn't surly, though. She was a fun bowling team chick. I loved their relationship. Okay, The good. stepmom and the daughter. Good. It was adorable because they would cuddle in bed and watch old episodes of Golden Girls. It's important because they're one of the main interviews we get the entire time are Amy and Todd. So 
Amy is very protective of Lisa Marie and especially who she dates. But there's one boyfriend that Amy and Todd have no problem with, and that is Seth Teckel. Seth Teckel and Lisa Marie start dating in high school. Seth Teckel comes from another family who's longtime residents in this town in Iowa. And Seth's dad owns the bowling alley and was Lisa's bowling coach. And they work part-time together at the bowling alley. And so their relationship grows and grows. And I kind of think bowling is like the second biggest commerce in that town. Maybe. I don't I mean if they have teams and stuff, it could be. So in 2011, they get married. Lisa decides that she's going to follow in her dad's footsteps and go into law enforcement. And she becomes a jailer in a neighboring county. And Seth is doing weird stuff. He's working for a security company, but he's trying to also be a jailer. And the Todd's kind of trying to help. She's sort of getting her stuff together. And he's taking a little bit longer. Also, they're young. She's 22 and he's 21 when they get married. Also, when they get married, they had dated for seven years. So literally, they've been together since they were, how old is that? 13? And everyone's really happy when they get married. But then they get pregnant two months later. Yeah. Presley says that Seth is like a brother to her, and Todd says that Seth is like his second son. Presley the sister. Presley the sister. And so Lisa gets pregnant in May of 2012, and then halfway through the pregnancy is when tragedy strikes. On Saturday, May 26th, there is a shot in the dark and a 911 call. And enter Sheriff Deputy Marty. Was that guy's name Marty? His name was Marty Wonderland. <laughs> yes, he was. And he looks like a Marty. So He does. Yeah. That's why I'm so shocked. Dep- so Deputy Marty gets the call from dispatch and he's first on the scene. To his horror, he knows all the people involved. Marty is kind of a younger kid. He's considers himself friends with Seth. It's his first major crime and... You can see, you see this dash cam video and he, he's kind of running around a little bit. So he runs into the house, but <laughs> there's the 911 call says that someone's been shot. So he doesn't know what's going on and if there's a live shooter. So I guess he carries his rifle with him. And it kind of seems like, but also why would he's carrying other things? He like, is. It almost seems like his belt's falling he off. Is. Like he's it like seems like his hold, pants are too he's big for to him. Hold up. It seems also, like he's kind of a mess. Give the boy a handgun. Why are you carrying? What? Get yeah. your rifle out of here. Keep the rifle in the trunk. No, it You're is not, way too big, and he seems very clumsy. It's a gunshot, not a bear. What are we doing? Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's get real here. So in the trailer that he's called to, he goes in and he sees Lisa Marie has been shot in the stomach. She's in the bedroom. There's a lot of blood. And Seth is outside freaking out. He quickly assesses that there is still, there's no live shooter. It's fine. Something's happened, but he runs back to the truck, puts his rifle away, and he calls into dispatch, and he also tells them at this point to call Todd, to call the father of Lisa Marie. And he sort of feels bad about that because he said, I saw a lot of stuff in that trailer I would have liked to have not seen, and I could have spared him from seeing that. And my thought was, yeah, that dad would have killed you if you if hadn't you didn't called call him, him oh my the God, minute. Yeah. So Todd and Amy, of course, they get the call from dispatch they're at home asleep. They spring up. They get there as fast as they can. But by the time they get there, Lisa's already gone. So the scene is really, really sad. But Beauty Marty, who had been the first, first on the scene for this homicide. So Dennis sort of puts the screws to him and says, you're in the barrel here. 
basically, you decide what happens next. I thought that Dennis had a lot of little sprinkles of little. Dennis also sayings. said to Marty, he said, "Were you scared? Yeah, it's okay if you were." I know, <laughs> like Papa Bear he Dennis. Is, Dennis is, and Dennis is on location. It's okay doing if you were. This. Yeah. He went to the trailer. Mm-hmm. He's out there. He doesn't mind if there's mosquitoes, whatever. So now that Deputy Marty's in the barrel, he's got to kind of figure out how to take the lead <laughs> on this case. And so the first lead in the case actually comes from Todd. Now, this, I guess the trailer, Seth's dad bought for them, and it's on this really nice piece of land. But it's it's not a trailer park, per se. It's a bunch of large land, and there's houses or trailers on it the only reason i'm bringing this up is because the lead that comes is the neighbor that's across the way and by across the way it's like across a barbed wire fence down the street it's big land um and it's at this point that we see that the street sign that the name of the street is cemetery lane and (laughs) i feel like if you're living on cemetery lane and you're seven months pregnant you have to move you can't live oh yeah you can't live there don't park your trailer on cemetery lane don't do that. So Todd no. says he knows who they need to go talk to first. 56-year-old Brian Tate, who is a disabled army vet who lives across Cemetery Lane and apparently had been fighting with Seth for a few months over... Okay, uh, Seth had pulled a deer carcass off the road somewhere on the property line. Brian Tate had decided that it was on his side, so threw it back on Seth's property, and then Seth threw it back again. Basically, what we have here is a disgusting game of hot potato. Yeah, it's disgusting it's with like a deer carcass. It's like hot potato yeah. Bambi's mom edition. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. It sounds awful. So this had been going on, I guess, for a, a little while, and... Tate had then started to have some vandalism happen to his property after the deer carcass incident. So he had been calling the county and complaining about kids throwing rocks at his house, throwing rocks at his garage, and feces had been thrown at his house, which is... Dog feces. Which is really gross. Yeah, feces. And then also, let's clarify that in outside information, I'll just tell you now, it's like a five-gallon bucket of dog feces. So Tate had been calling the cops about these this vandalism. And actually, Todd, Lisa Marie's dad, had responded to a couple of the calls and had been telling, trying to get Tate to calm down and saying, no, no, the people there are good people, never telling him, oh, no, that's my <laughs> daughter and my son-in-law. Yeah. That's fine. But Tate's a little, he's a little off. He is a paranoid schizophrenic. Yes, he, I, was, I was getting to that. So <laughs> you just go, he's a little quirky. A little quirky. <laughs> he says that these are acts of terrorism. They're not just vandalism. They're actual terrorism. And while he's talking to Todd, he has a loaded shotgun next to him on the porch. Because what's the best kind of neighbor? A paranoid schizophrenic with a gun. With guns. Go. Who's screaming about terrorism at the same time. There's just This stuff. is every episode of Fear Thy Neighbor on ID Network rolled into one. Right. And so pretty much... Every cop that's on the scene decides that he's their guy. He's suspect numero uno. They're going to go take him down. They get full body armor on. They spend a while describing this like locked and loaded with the red light on, Deputy Marty says. Like they're juiced up, ready to go to see Tate. And they get there and Tate's totally fine. He's not armed. He's not belligerent at all. He's totally great. His mother and his brother are there. They all sit down in the front yard in lawn chairs and talk about it. At one point, the cops were like, 
Maybe I'm a little overdressed. Can I take off this bulletproof vest now? I know. He seems to be fine. I know. As the mother's like, would you like some lemonade? I think that they're also just amped up because one of their own just lost their daughter, right? So they're just... Yeah. But also, I've seen Fear Thy Neighbor once again. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it does end in explosives and shootouts with cops. I kept thinking about Fear Thy Neighbor. Better safe than sorry. And also, they haven't had a murder in 15 years. They're going to overreact a little. They are. They are going to overreact. So his mother and brother say, no, he was here all night. He was asleep at 5 a.m. And he didn't get up until 11 a.m. They both collaborate his alibi. Basically, he took a higher dose of his schizophrenia meds and went to sleep and he said normally he'd be up doing guard duty which sounds about right okay yes so because he's he's paranoid and so he sits outside his house with his gun right and watches and watches and watches his property because he's been getting vandalized and so the detectives all the cops on the scene recognize really quickly that there's nothing to see here he doesn't know anything about this. This had nothing to do with him. So they take off and schedule an interview with the person who they have to interview, which is the husband, Seth. So, and also, can we focus back on Seth for just two seconds in this, where he's shirtless, barefoot, sobbing, and punching his truck. And there's a dog. And he's screaming. And you see all this on the cop cam that he's screaming, I'm going to kill whoever did this. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Shaking the chain link fence. Yeah. He's like he's in a Christina Aguilera dirty video. (laughs) (laughs) And there's this dog. We should mention the dog that's running around. I totally didn't see the dog. Was the dog there? Yes. There's this big black lab. And he's like, Uh. he looks like a puppy. And he, he like... Seth is walking around barefoot and shirtless, hitting things because he's so upset, crying. The dog is just like, there's visitors. I have so- What's That's going a- on? I totally missed that. I mean, we get- Somebody pay attention to me. What's happening? But we get to the dog shortly. So Seth goes in for his interview. He has no problem going in for the interview. He's like, let's get it over with. Because keep in mind, he's about to become part of the police department. So he, are- he knows the drill. He knows he's got to come in. And he's obviously the last person to see her alive and the first person to see her dead. Yeah, you're going in for the interview. So the interview is with a state interrogator. It's not with one of these good old boys. It's not with somebody that he knows from the department. This is somebody sent in from the state investigation team. So his story is that he's taking a shower. He hears the shot, grabs a towel, jumps out of the shower, sees Lisa in the bedroom bleeding, thinks he might hear something from down the hall, grabs a handgun from the nightstand, and runs outside because basically he's going to shoot whatever the sound is that he heard. But there's nobody there, comes back in, and... I want to know how wet slash dry he was when the cop got there. Yeah. How much time has passed. I want to know why he put his pants and his belt on. Right, but why no he had sure. time. Maybe the belt was already in the pants, but yes. then why did he take the time to buckle it? I think it's that they're going to fall off if he doesn't buckle them. So he just he's so used to like putting it on and buckling those buckling that belt. There I, was I mean, an I, entire Dateline episode where if the guy did it or not, it revolved around the fact of would he put the toilet seat down after finding his wife dead. I remember that. Like, if that yes, was such an instinct matter of habit, that you would just mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. And we had to debate it. So fascinating. You know, on, what's that called? Truth and Justice, the first case that Bob Ruff ever covers, the toilet seat was an issue too. 
It was really, really good. Yeah, because he did like really in-depth of the house. And a woman lived there alone, but the toilet seat was up when uh, the body was uh, found. So it was a whole, yeah, uh, it, was a, it was a thing. Okay, the investigator flat out asks him, who do you think it is? And he says, I think it's Tate, the lunatic from across the, across the fence. Uh, the investigator then asks if there are any guns missing from his house, because of course he has multiple guns. And they have not yet located the murder weapon. Now, I don't understand how they think they haven't located the murder weapon, yet there is a rack of guns in their house. How do they know immediately what kind of shot shot her? I don't know. I guess it They're doesn't. hunters? Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good question. So, anyways, the investigator asked him... Uh, if there are any guns missing from his house. Also, I don't know how he would know if there were any guns missing. I don't think in the heat of the moment of finding his wife dead, he's going around and counting his guns. Right. And being like, oh, no. So then he says, well, can you write down all of the guns that should be in your house? So he has him write down this list of guns, of which there are many. But also she's in law enforcement. They're all in law enforcement. They all have guns. Then the investigator asks if there are any extramarital affairs and seth flat out says no but lo and behold back at the trailer they don't even keep us waiting on that dennis is right away like the cops figure out that's a lie (laughs) the next sentence they tell us so back at the trailer one of his doofus friends shows up to get this (laughs) pup and i'm gonna say they're doofuses because we are no they're doofy that's true they're doofy multiple doofuses yeah for you to for you the listener to understand who they are we get interviews with the three friends and i'm just going to break this down for you quickly what these boys decide is appropriate to wear in a dateline interview there's three of them in a semicircle one of them says a shirt in caps all caps huge across the front of his shirt all day every day <laughs> which immediately makes me suspicious of you okay and then The other one on the opposite side is wearing a bright blue shirt that in bright orange all caps says, always going deep. Oh my God. And then there's one guy in the middle that's wearing this sort of pullover that may or may not be his. And I'm guessing the Dateline producer stepped in and said, you all three cannot be wearing shirts with writing and made the guy in the middle put a pullover, put this. Wait, is the one in the middle the one that looks like 12 years old? They all look 12. They all do. But do you think his shirt said, like, official boob inspector? No, I think these guys got together and were like, oh, yeah, we're all going to wear these. No, I think they were all at the mall riding their skateboards in the mall because they're in their 20s and they think they're 14. And And the Dateline just picked him up and was like, come on, guys, we're doing your interview now. Did I just say Miller's Outpost? You did say Miller's Outpost. Well, where would would you buy shirts like that? I don't Um, know. One of those skateboarding shops. Tilly's. Huge slogans that say what I'm sure that guy's catchphrase is, always going deep. You know me, always going deep. And the other one picks up the phone and hangs up the phone and says, yeah, see you later, all day, every day. You know it's their cat. You know it is. They're 21 years old, and they just look like they dumb do. And, idiots. And Dennis knows it because he asks, how did Lisa Marie put up with you guys? He's basically like, you guys are just douchebags hanging around the house all the time with her husband. How did you hang out? But maybe she was like a fun gal, like a guy's gal. Well, she was because they all like kind of love things. her. They said yeah, that they he did. got. They said that he got lucky, and I have theories about that later. But oh, yeah. we'll, we'll get there. 
Anyways, so the one that we're seeing now, the one that is back at the ranch, back at the trailer, while Seth is being interrogated, is the one that they made him put the pullover on. He's the respectable one. Shows up to get his puppy that Seth and Lisa Marie had been dog-sitting. And so, of course, the detectives swoop on him and start asking him a bunch of questions because she died earlier that day. And somehow they get the friend to admit that Seth has a track phone. So I don't know what the line of what was the leading was. question, yeah, that made him volunteer that information, right? Because I have in all caps, what kind, what the what kind of a friend are you? Well, it just makes me question because we we this quickly leads to the fact that Seth has been having an affair, but how has he been getting around it with these dudes that apparently are so willing to talk about no, everything? Because like, they not it's a very small town, and the kid doofus number one in the pullover doesn't even doesn't even just let it be known that he's got a burner phone also tells the cops that he's using it to talk to some girl mm-hmm. yeah fully just lets the cat oh, out he of tells the bag. Every, I, he tells everyone he's down at the sub shop and he tells the sub shop he told, guy he is he's, he's like hey you know bean. what seth is up to like he's just trying yeah. to make conversation at a party he wants girls to talk to him so he's like hey you know that guy seth his dad owns the bowling thing yeah he has a side piece okay let's be honest he's not down at the sub shop he is a sandwich artist no you're he right he is he's he creating the, the sub so he's talking to people when the customers in, he's like, the, ga- I want- the chatty kathy subway artist yeah. that you can't get to stop talking to you i want a black forest ham extra pickles hey did you hear you what seth that- is doing their marriage yeah. is totally on the rocks she's yeah. pregnant and he is making out with this girl also not do you sleeping. like my t-shirt yeah, yeah. <laughs> I make t-shirts in my truck. Do you want to check them out? That's well, you have like is. a screen press machine back yeah, there? He's got no, like I J- do these iron-on transfers. I haven't yeah. gotten up to screen press yet. I have iron-on transfers. And he's using the subway printer to print the transfers. <laughs> he doesn't even own his own printer. No. He's printing them from the subway printer. I got a cannon back there. It's pretty good. That's why he gets fired. Press. Why are we using Second so much Second day ink? he got fired. Yeah. We've gone through why? eight ink cartridges. What's happening? Why are they all the full color empty? <laughs> also, I've been this... getting a lot of reports that you've been making people sandwiches and talking to them about burner phones and your friend's sex life. <laughs> Just sell them the, the $6 combo sub. That's all they want. <laughs> Punch their sub card and then get out of here. Try to get them to buy a cookie and move on. Yeah. <laughs> Upsell the cookies. <laughs> so, anyways, the kid. So By the, the way, no co- shame in sandwich artists. I was one for three months in high school. Th- that's why so. I bring it up. We've all had those jobs. It's fine. And we might all still have those jobs. I might, I might go be back applying. to one right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. I know. I'm not going to say one word about that. So now the detectives on scene at the trailer get in touch with the special interrogators and let them know about the burner phone and this girl who he's been chatting up on this secret phone. Now, Dennis says something like Seth probably sees the detective reading a text and so makes a U-turn about the story of that he's never had an affair. I don't really buy that. I don't know why he decides to suddenly come clean. I think he probably realizes that at some point they're going to check yeah. his like and it it's going to come out. looks better if he out. just volunteers the information. It's a small town, yeah. They're of course, find he still out. doesn't. He just gives them little inches at a time until just they inch, cry it inch out. Of, yeah. By inch, there's this girl that he works with at the security company named Rachel, who he has been texting. He says he hasn't been sexting, and Lisa even knew about her. That There's nothing that was going on. It was just a girl he likes. And then a little bit later, he admits, well, we did hug, and we also kissed, but there was nothing sexual. 
And also uh, Lisa's knew about it. She, and then he goes from Lisa knew to Lisa found out about it. Big difference. Exactly. So there, there is obviously, yeah, more to that Rachel story. He keeps pressing him. And then he finally lets it be known, hey, we've talked to your friend Pullover. And you need to be honest with us. And Seth says, well, Rachel may have been under the impression that Lisa was packing up her stuff and leaving because I had told her I wanted a divorce. And then the investigator says, well, when? And Seth says, oh, yesterday or today. Yeah. I mean, so this is all. Basically last night when my wife died. And Rachel had texted him and said, have you split up with her? And he lies to her. And he says, well, but I was just stringing her along. I was never going to leave my pregnant wife. And I lied about it earlier in the interview that I never had an affair because I wanted to spare my father-in-law the embarrassment, which is all like kind of believable, right? So then the investigator says, (laughs) look, the facts are adding up to the fact that you killed your wife. And Seth flips out. No, I would never. And he says, if I wanted to be with Rachel, I would have just divorced Lisa. He would not never have killed her over something so small. I'm I'm done with this interview. I'm done. I'm leaving. So he leaves. The cops now are sort of back at square one. They kind of have two suspects, Tate and Seth. But Seth is looking much better for it now. So now it's the next day, and the police try to zero in on this missing weapon. Keep in mind, this is the next day. This is not a week later. I'm just saying Dateline really stretched this out. The shotgun that we're looking for is this very specific kind of shotgun, and the shotgun actually did not belong to Seth, but it had been at his house because a friend who had been sleeping on the couch Zufai number two all day every day. Wait, is he the going deep? No, he's all day every day. So all day every day had been camped out at their house. All day every day. And the gun was his. So their living situation was like you, me, and Dupree. I also want to be really clear that they were married seven months before all this took place. And she's five months pregnant and they have this other dude crashing on their couch and this dog. In a trailer. other dude's dog. In a trailer. In a trailer. So one friend is on the couch. The other friend has his dog there. She's she's a saint. The gun that's missing belongs to All Day Every Day. And, of course, Seth didn't write it down in his police interview. And so they don't know what they're looking for. And then somehow, magically, as they're searching the property, they find this special gun in these tall this tall grass. 20 yards from the trailer. So it's a gun that was they didn't know about. That's the murder weapon. They match the shotgun shells to the kind of shells that shot her. And that's that. Dateline kind of makes this seem like a big deal. And I see why, because I have outside information about why that's such a big deal. But Dateline doesn't actually tell us why. It's just mm. that they found this murder weapon. And it doesn't belong to him. And he never told the cops about it. So... The investigators then go interview Rachel. Well, that means that if someone else came into the house to shoot her, they did not bring their own weapon. They grabbed one off the wall. So if it was the crazy neighbor who has his own gun, that's kind of weird. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That if it was the neighbor, he would have obviously brought his own gun. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So then the the investigators go to interview Rachel. She says that there were very sexual texts and pictures, so they were sexting. Never went beyond kissing. She corroborates that. But she wouldn't go beyond kissing because she she didn't want to wreck families. Thought everyone would love that. Morals. Yeah. And so then the next part is a little hazy. Basically, there's the memorial and... 
it's a little dramatic because Seth is arrested at the remor- memorial. But this is where I started to get a little, my uh-uh radar went up because I was, it just, they don't explain why they were able to arrest him, how they were able to get a warrant to arrest him so quickly with no confession, no nothing, other than he was there in the house. Right. But They do not fingerprint the gun. We find that out later. Yes. Right. So but the up. circumstantial evidence is kind of insane. Is that he was in the house and then the weapon No, the was... circumstantial evidence being that he told his girlfriend he would break up with her that day. And then he doesn't tell That's them about the weapon. That's a huge coincidence. Yeah. That's the biggest coincidence that ever was. Okay. You don't think he did it? I'm not sure. I'm not 100%. If I was on the jury, I might have been the holdout. And I might have been really annoying. Uh, you already are. Okay, great. So... So then we start the trials, and I'm going to say trials plural. We get a very quick interview with Sherry Tate, who tells us that basically Brian Tate, her brother, was so devastated by everything leading up to the trial, he went into a downward spiral, and then he dies. Of a broken heart. Which is horrendous. Because the whole town thought he was the murderer. The whole town thinks he did it. It couldn't be this Seth Teckle. It couldn't be Seth, this young kid, kill his newlywed wife who's pregnant. It has to be the war veteran. It has to be the war veteran with the guns with screaming the about terrorism. Problems. Right. It's really sad. It's really, really sad. because And the prosecution, who's then interviewed, they feel like it kind of <laughs> ruined their case because they couldn't put Tate on the stand. He'd be on the stand being able to say in his own words, I didn't do this. Yeah. But now he's passed away. So the prosecution says, quote, well, the devil you know is always better than the devil you don't. And I was like, that's a really bad saying to use about somebody that died of a broken heart yeah so in february 2013 we go to the first trial everyone at this point by this time the whole family believes that he did it her family his family his family doesn't think yeah but of course as always so you did have family in denial on your on your bingo bingo card mark it down cross that off unless you're like me and you're the holdout jury member So, trial number one, there's several highlights. Douche number three, Seth's friend, always going deep, takes the stand and testifies that Seth would force... Wait, what does that mean? Is that like sexual innuendo? It is, but I think it's always like always going hard. Balls to the wall? And balls deep. Yeah, that's what it's like. balls deep, But also always going deep totally has a sexual overtone. Let's get real. And you chose to wear that on Dateline. yeah. And I think they think this is going to help them get girlfriends. So that's fun. Mm -hmm. So Always Going Deep said that Seth sort of made them do the vandalism against Tate, made him, made them throw the feces and the rocks at his place and all that. I mean, again, what's with Seth's friends? No, but they all turn against him. But also, why is Seth so cool that he's like the Pied Piper? Because he's the only one that got married, got a girl knocked up. He has a pregnant wife and a girlfriend. So he has two ladies. Mm -hmm. And these guys have no ladies. So he's the Zach Morris of this group. And they're all the screeches. But do we think that Seth had them do this to aggravate the neighbor so that it would build up the feud so he could be used as a suspect? No. You don't think no, he thought I that think, far ahead? No, I think they're jerky kids. And Oliver told me that he read a study that basically between the age of 15 and 20, teenage boys' brains are insane. 
Oh, yeah, that's there, true. There was some sort of study that said they're all psychopaths because their brain chemistry is so messed up. Well, they don't have the parts of their brains that haven't developed for all teenagers that right. think about consequences and haven't built up their empathy connections either. So that pretty much does make you a psychopath. So these kids are basically just outside of 20 doing this yeah. stuff. So it does kind of, because it seems like teenagery stuff, right? But it would be smart if it was the long con and he was slowly driving this war vet insane by doing pranks, and then he That's would become horrible. the perfect suspect. Of course it was the, that him who killed my wife. But it couldn't be the long con if they're only married for seven months. Uh, long is a relative term. Okay. Anyways, back to the trial. Rachel takes the stand, says that everything started heating up right after Seth got married, which I found horrible. And here comes the revelation that on May 20th, so about five days before the murder, they met at a nature park and took a selfie together. So he's not very Why smart if this was your long con, Kimberly. They met at a park and took a selfie together six days before she died. He would have yeah. kept her completely out of on it. On her phone, not yeah. on the burner phone. He also on... didn't get her a second burner phone. Exactly. He didn't do the double. Phones. You gotta get the We've two done this phones. many times. This is why we need our business model of having yeah, the does. two burner phone, two pack. Yeah. Okay, two continue. Pack. Yeah. So he says to her at that point, just give me two months. Just give me two to two months. I think it was two weeks. Oh, I might have wrote months. All it right, was sorry. two weeks and six days is when it happened. And six days later is when it happened. Exactly. Yeah. So the defense comes on and says, no, the affair being the reason for the murder is totally hogwash because... Why would you kill someone for the hope that you were going to have sex with someone? Because, because the thought of having sex, sex with her is probably going to be way better than the actual sex once the sex already starts to happen. But it, uh, you like, have to you have to admit their defense makes sense. Why would you kill for the hope to, to have me. an affair? Okay. No, when you're young and she's a fantasy girl, she's your teenage dream. You're totally willing to kill for that. There's no bad side to it that's happened once you actually get into a relationship. Once you're actually having an affair, you see that she eats with her mouth full. And sometimes she makes weird noises during sex. The dream of it is totally better than once it actually happens. She's going to turn into your wife where she's cranky that your friends are hanging out on your couch all the time. So, and she's pregnant. And yeah. she's pregnant. That's not fun for anybody. But right now he has the fantasy of this girl he can have sex with and it's going to be so amazing if he will just leave his wife. People totally kill for the fantasy of it all the time, I think. Well, then what do you have to say to their jaw-dropping bomb evidence of the peanut butter jelly sandwich? That blew my mind. So what happened was the defense is trying to say the affair, that's one of their theories, that it's not a good enough reason. And then their other theory is that Tate is a much better suspect, and they think that he entered through the back door. And the best evidence of this happening is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a Ziploc baggie left on the back porch. Now, it had to have been left there in the morning because if it had been left there overnight, it would have been devoured by critters, <laughs> is what they said. It's, I have so many questions. They Do they <laughs> test the bag? 
Do they see if Tate has peanut butter and jelly supplies in his house and Ziploc bags? He doesn't seem like that kind of organized guy, but his sister might be taking care of him. She might make him little snacky pouches. Why would he have it with him? Why would he, he? He lives very close. He could mm-hmm. really just eat something before. It's not that long of a murder trip. It's like a five-minute murder trip. Why do you need to bring food for that murder trip? Just eat when you get home. Are you hypoglycemic and you like have to constantly keep eating or you'll pass out? But I have big theories about the sandwich, and I'm going to get to it in my alternative theory, which is going to blow your mind. Oh. After the sandwich defense, the jury goes out, hung jury. It's 10 to 2, done. The prosecution decides immediately we're going to retry, and we retry in a new county a little bit further away. Same exact lawyers, same exact arguments. Rachel Part do with the exact same necklace. Different we'll, we'll hair, though. That. When did her hair go really curly? Hair goes curly later. Are we talking about the butterfly necklace? I'm talking about the dragonfly necklace. Dragonfly, and it's huge. And she wears it in all three trials. <laughs> oh, it must be her lucky charm. So the only new info that I get out of this trial is that he sent a Rachel a text to Rachel at 10 p.m., 48 hours before the murder saying, I love you, wish me luck. And Rachel says that basically the wish me luck was because that's when he was supposed to be asking Lisa for the divorce. Blah, blah, blah. Hung jury blah, again. Blah, blah, blah. That's huge. Why? You don't seem to understand how big coincidences these are. No, I, I understand. But I also think that he's completely lying to Rachel. He's trying to string her along. You have to see it from that point, too, that this might all just be him trying to string this pretty girl along. And she's like, no, I won't have sex with you. I don't know. You don't think so? And right at the good luck point in his life is when someone happens to randomly kill but his wife. But it's not that night. It's the night, it's, it's the night before that that, that happens. It's not the night of. It's 48 hours before that he says the wish me luck text. I looked it up. Has Seth ever done anything on time? (laughs) Seth is late for every job he has ever had. All of his homework assignments, the ones that he cheated off of his douchebag friends papers and got D minuses on were always turned in late. So when he says good luck, she's like, I know you'll do it in two days, 48 hours. Maybe. Well, and he also did then continue that lie and say, well, she's coming home to pack now. I have to be here because she's coming home to pack. That was the day of the murder. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So at this second trial, jury is hung for the second time. This time it's 9-3. So they're getting, they're inching closer to him being acquitted, right? All right. So in the third trial, we get a new defense team in place with new stuff to present. They're coming in with a whole new defense. They say that this was this is all shoddy police work from the very beginning. The bullet in the chamber of the gun was never tested for fingerprints. There was no DNA test on that. So on the gun or the bullet whatsoever, no gunshot powder residue test on his hands to show if he shot a gun. Which easily could have been done because he was in a police interview mm-hmm. literally that day. Yes. Um, the only test they did was to see if the slug in the gun matched the slug in her body. Did uh, they test Tate's hands for gunpowder residue? 
No, I don't think they did any of that. So yeah. the defense they is hadn't actually, had a murder in fifteen years. But keep in mind, the reason that that special inter- interrogator is there is because the state interrogation office came down to help with forensics because they didn't have mm. the team to do it. So it's the right. state office that messed up. Yeah. It wasn't these local guys. Anyways, trial number three, Rachel's back. Nothing new from her. Prosecution does bring in a work colleague of Seth's who admits that he had told him at one point that he never wanted to pay child support, but he didn't love Lisa anymore. And it would really just be better off if she was in a car accident and died. Wow. So that's pretty Again, damning. don't brush over that. Yeah. That's pretty damning. He's that pregnant. Is... This was when the coworker pressed him and said, mm-hmm. dude, you need to just break up with your girlfriend or divorce your wife. You have to make a decision. And that's yeah. when he said it would be better if she just got into a car accident and died. It's either a really callous just way to say something or... or a, and another huge coincidence. Or And it is really bad timing for him. He yeah. probably should never have said that. No, yeah. he has the worst luck possible. He's a really in good... In terms of timing, if, that, this, if he's innocent. Yeah, that guy's a really good witness because yeah. that's important. So the defense brings in their own bombshells about Lisa. Lisa was actually having an affair as well. Dun-dun-dun. Lisa was having an affair with a married jailer. Again, what is a jailer? I can't with the jailers. <laughs> so he has the he's keys. A, he's another person that works at the jail, but so does she. Yeah, they're both they have ja- the keys. They're working together? Okay, whatever. Yeah. That's a prison it's, guard. In a small town like this where they have two jail cells that are right next to each other and then the desk of the jailer is like right outside. I know. Jail. You're picturing Andy Griffith. I know exactly yeah, what you're picturing. That's, but that's the jailer. I don't. Then why are they working there together? And how many jailer jobs are there? Because Seth was also going to be a jailer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they so need so many I don't, jailers. I don't, wanna, I don't think we should talk about this anymore. It's frustrating. She's having an affair with the jailer named Jason. Jailer Jason testifies that they'd been having the affair even before Lisa and Seth got married. and yeah. But it had ended a few weeks before she died. Mm-hmm. Now, defense is using this not as much to shade Lisa as you would think, as this is more of another example of shoddy police work. Because Jason went two years without the police ever questioning him. The only time that he came into this entire situation is when they finally go through her phone. Well, to me, it shows the shoddy police work, which is important. But why isn't the defense also using it to say, maybe this guy was pissed that she broke up with him. Maybe his wife found out and was pissed that he was cheating. They did. They tried to do that. They tried to just basically throw some reasonable doubt on it. It brings in a whole new cast of characters. Well, they opened up the fact that he could be the father of the baby. Right. So there was... But he's not. But yes. He's he's not. But... They do the DNA test. He could have been. They didn't... He totally could have been. But they They did the DNA... They were sleeping together before... Why did they get married? I know. I think they both felt way too much pressure from both families to be this perfect bowling couple in this bowling town and everyone wanted them to be together. They've been together forever and then they were engaged and then there were wedding plans and the cake was ordered and it had bowling pins probably on top of it. So I think they just couldn't cancel and they were both having affairs and not happy, but this is what you do. You don't rock the boat. But so Jason, the jailer, the affair has an alibi witness who is his wife. 
Oh, also, we should mention, did I mention that he has four children? He had four <laughs> children at the time they were having an affair, but that's cool. Wow. So J- Jason has a really good alibi, his wife, who says that he was in bed. But we don't know if she's lying. No. So I feel like there's reasonable doubt all over this. Maybe she snuck out and killed Lisa and brought the PB&J because she's a mom of four kids. She's the type that always has a PB&J with her. Alternative theory. So the jury goes out and finally returns after four hours with a guilty verdict. They read the guilty verdict and Seth shows absolutely zero emotion on his face. No change. Just staring dead into space. Wait a sec. He's been in jail for the past two years while the trials are going on. Has he been sleeping in his little jail right next to the desk of the dude who was banging his wife who works at the jail? No, he's at prison. Because I think in, that, like, the that would tank. be is the David Mamet play where they're just trapped in hell with each other And they're other taunting forever. each other. No exit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's no, no exit. <laughs> but then the families come together. We have Seth's family and Lisa's family have a moment after the verdict is read. They come across the aisles. They've been sitting on opposite sides the entire time. They come across and hug. There was a point when Seth's dad and Lisa's dad, Todd, have a moment where they both tell each other they thought the other one was a good man. Mm -hmm. I thought, these are big people to do that. I'm just going to... That was impressive to me. The dads were so nice. I think you're a great guy. I don't think this is your fault. And they were a family. They they would have broken the hearts of all these family members if they didn't go through with the wedding. Why they had to do it. Yeah. Just going back to that. But yeah, no, it was very nice. The moms hug each other. The... The dads hug each other. It's, it's very really, sweet. It's it's a good moment. So then we have uh, the sentencing hearing that lets Todd and Presley both take the stand. He Todd's really sad because he's a dad. But Presley, so this is the moment where basically she finally gets to look Seth in the eyes. And I will say her reaction is rough. She is she get, she's walking up with her paper to the stand and she looks up and finally gets to look at him after two years in the face. And it's just this crumbling effect that it has on her because he's staring right back at her. He's not looking down. He just stares at her. I just felt that moment. I was like, oh, God, what that must feel like. And she says, I don't love you. I'm not your sister anymore. And it's really, and he shows absolutely zero emotion the entire time. I think he's like, this is my sister-in-law who I knew she had a crush on me the whole time. I don't care if she doesn't love me anymore. Like, he doesn't feel that much. He looks like a sociopath in this, though. He shows there is zero. Like, you see a tiny pink spot in his cheek, and that's about all you get. So his sentence is life without the possibility of parole. And we close with Lisa's gravestone. Todd and Amy at the gravesite, which now maybe we should just go straight into B-roll Bonanza. My only B-roll Bonanza is really that Todd, the dad, is not just like a tough sheriff's guy. He also is an artist on the side. He does a lot of sketching in his B-roll with tea. So you can mark down your drinking coffee tea, staring out in the distance B-roll on your bingo cards. But he's also sketching. And we Mm -hmm. find out later what he was sketching. And it's her headstone. It's sweet. He he sort of describes his process of I draw a heart and then I draw a mother and a child. And I, I think everyone forgets in all this that it was a double homicide. He killed the baby. Yeah. 
And then he draws sort of some feathers, and apparently there's something from the notebook, which again, which I, I still haven't seen. I've never seen either. We're terrible people. Gosling Gate but all over again. But he can't even get, he's like crying, and he says it's something that he and his daughter used to text to each other and say to each other all the time, yeah. if I'm a bird, you're a bird. And he yeah. can't, and his voice cracks, he can't. Oh. These are, this was a close father-daughter, if I've ever seen one. It really was, yeah. And so he puts in the hair of the mother, the drawing, kind of like birds. So it's, it's really, really sweet. It's sweet. And it's a beautiful headstone, I've got to say. Yeah. I mean, they went all out. And, and so we close with that. And that is the end of the episode. Good job. Good recap. Mm-hmm. It was so short. <laughs> well, fine. you just included a little too many details. I know. What are we um, talking about first? Well, I did want to ask, did you notice on their porch, there were a bunch of bowling pins laying on <gasps> top of a bunch of two by fours, which made me think they were constructing their own bowling lane Maybe. in their backyard? Maybe they were doing it on the long deck of the trailer. They were doing like, like that's a mini lane. That's cool. That's cool. I hope they were doing that. Of yeah. course, it was unfinished because Seth can't no, ever finish anything. He, he's right? late for everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you want to talk about outside information? Yeah, sure. Here's how they found the gun. So that's why the gun was kind of important to me because the gun is how they got him arrested. Not because of fingerprints or DNA on the gun. They had set up surveillance to watch him when he left the prison. The police saw Seth acting suspiciously going outside and kind of digging around in this long grass by the house. And so they went out there where he was digging and they found not only the shotgun, but the track phone. Okay, so you can't think that he's innocent. So that, no, that one got me. That one got me. I was like, But again, why did they not put that in the episode? I have no idea because... That would be important to know. When he got arrested, I was like, we have watched Datelines where people will go for years. Just circumstantial evidence. We didn't have enough evidence. We didn't Mm -hmm. have forensic evidence. And in this case, they're like, throw the book at him. Yeah. He did it. Charge him with all of it. Anyways, that's why. And it made me crazy. So the other information that I had was about all day, every day who was living at the house, there was something wrong with him. He had like a medical problem, which I think based on his appearance, because he looks like he hasn't slept in six months. I don't know if you noticed that. No, they they all look like that to me. When they show a close-up of All Day Every Day, he has these black bags under his eyes that looks like you took purple lipstick and went wong under his eyes. So I don't know if, or what's going on with him, but the police actually looked very hard at him. Oh. And I don't know when they did because they arrested Seth so soon, but the police did have some serious interviews with that guy because he was living at the house and mm-hmm. it was his gun mm-hmm. and he had literally just moved out. And Dennis Murphy thought all three guys were in love with Lisa. Exactly. And they didn't say they weren't. They said, no. yeah, he got really lucky. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, like he had an alibi and I'm, I think I know what it is, but I'll get to it in my alternative theory. But he told police that Seth specifically told him he had to leave the gun there. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. For some sort of like payment for staying there. And he had to leave it loaded. That gun was loaded. Mm-hmm. 
It wasn't like someone came in the house and loaded that gun. It was hanging on the wall fully loaded. So I felt like that was really good that, information. Yeah. A couple quotes. When Seth says, you'd have to be a complete effing jackass to walk into someone's house and shoot them. Yeah. I love that he says jackass. Like a jackass is someone who cuts you off at Starbucks. Right. Yeah. Um, and then he also says that when the police go to Tate's house, he is rubbing a loaded shotgun. It really <gasps> bothered me. They said that? He Seth says that. And I think moratorium on rubbing inanimate objects, except right. for Genie's lamp, maybe. No, but we're never going to have a genie's lamp in a dayline. No rubbing of a loaded weapon, please. Yeah, no. Precious moments. Mine was Dennis saying to that deputy, were you scared? It's okay if you were. Because I really oh, liked that. It was really sweet. I had one other one when they're reading the verdict. Todd is doing that um, that shaky leg dad thing. Yes. He's twitching his leg and he's in his khakis. Mm-hmm. And he's shaking and he's listening to them read the, the guilty verdict. And Amy, the wife, reaches over and she just wipes his cheek. And she's not, Aww. it's not to be showy and it's not for cameras. She just does it automatically. She's, it's a soothing thing. And he's just tearing up and that leg's just going up and down. It was such a dad moment. Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. Okay, so where are we at? Moving on to MVP, MVP loser? Yeah, my MVPs were the dad and the stepmom, I think. My MVPs were definitely dad. Dad oh, in the khaki yeah. with the the art on the side. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, he was and a then, good artist. Do you have um, a loser of the week? Yeah, I do. Every single one of the Parade of Doofy friends. Oh, yeah, you really didn't like them. All of the friends with the, with the loud t-shirts. What would you have put them in? Blazers? No, wear a polo. You do not need to be in a tie, but I think a polo or even throw a plaid shirt on top of it. Throw a plaid shirt on top of your t-shirt that says... Balls deep. I don't remember. Never never back down. Go balls deep. Deep all the time. Whatever it is. Also, they're all 20-year-olds with guns. Let's put that in perspective. I think we should have a new segment called Where's the Mom? That's a good one. But then I'm going to feel bad if something happened to his mom. <laughs> like they really none of them have parents in their lives. Okay, what's next? Alternative theories? Is it time? Do you have one? I have one from Twitter from S Rogers 35376362. That is way too many numbers. What honey. is that? Is that his social security number? I don't know, but Don't it's... put your social on there. <laughs> but it's a great theory. That sister is too much. I think she loves Seth. They need to check and see if she killed Lisa. That's my kind of theory. Oh, for goodness sakes. Yeah, it totally is. But you, whatever, 9463201. I think that's Jean Valjean's prison number. No, it's 24601. Okay, anyways. Okay. Okay, my theory is going to kick your butt. So it's absolutely the three doofuses, the, the doofi. It's Together, and working I think, on heft of Seth? I think one of them had the idea. I think Seth messed with them. I think that they were getting sick of Seth being like, hey, go and do stuff to Tate's yard. Go and mess with him. Like having to go throw f- five-gallon buckets of manure yeah. on the neighbor. I think they got sick of doing his bidding. They were just mad at him because they didn't seem ever to really be on his side. The guy shows up and tells the cops about his track phone, right. which that was the first red flag I had. What they kind seemed of a- like begrudging henchmen. Yeah. And couldn't who- wait to flip on him. 
I think that this was their way of getting him out of the picture. That so what I think happened is Lucas was staying there, and Lucas is all day every day. Maybe Lucas and Lisa Marie got in a fight, a nasty fight, and that's why he had to leave. Because it seems weird to me. Think about this for a second. If the story about Seth making Lucas leave his loaded gun there is true, maybe Seth was afraid for Lucas to actually be out there with a loaded gun. Think about that for a second. I think it's way more likely Lisa and the friend were hooking up. Well, then maybe, okay, so that still could fit into my theory. So Lucas was sort of the mastermind behind all this. Lucas looks like crap in all the interviews, way crappier than the other guys. So I think he actually did the crime. I think Lucas did it, but I think these other guys helped him, made sure the doors were unlocked, did other things, hid the gun maybe out in the way, because they're doing all of this to frame Seth, and we have no nothing to prove that Seth ever shot the gun at all. Which means they did a terrible job of framing him. No, they did a great job of framing him. He's, in, he's guilty. They he, put the gun... It took three years. trials, and it, they almost got the other, the neighbor arrested. Yeah, that is true. But then they didn't do a very good job. Here's the other thing that made me think that it could be the friends that did actually did the job was that stupid sandwich in the baggie. Yeah. I guarantee you a couple of these guys still live at home and that's why Their Lucas moms packed him a Sammy. That's why Lucas wasn't living with one of the other two friends. Lucas was staying with Seth and Lisa because he can camp out in their trailer and not have to go to somebody's mom's house. The other two kids always going deep and pull over live with their moms so mom of course is going to pack them a lunch to take to work or whatever the next day so one of those guys still had a sandwich in the baggie from a lunch earlier that day or something like that that's what i think and you think they were all working together yeah i think they all knew about it isn't it more likely that they were continuing their years of doing seth's bidding by seth having them do this for him so that he could be with his girlfriend I guess it could be that, but they flipped on him pretty quick, didn't they? I've never seen friends Guilty flip that conscience. fast and tell cops, oh, yeah, well, he's got a track phone. He's got a side piece. There's a girl. Well, they're they're the Crab and Goyle of Iowa. So they are... No, Crab and Goyle are way more loyal than that. They would not flip on Draco like that, would they? They were so dumb. They would talk in the hallways openly, not knowing I don't if people think... were standing around using polyjuice potion blabbermouths the idea of them working together i just don't know i think it's more likely for seth than against seth because i would think if one of them was like in love with her or they all were it just didn't seem like they would all do it together they all did seem to like her maybe one of them did it because they were in love with her yeah but the other two had nothing to do with it okay so it was lucas though which the, I don't think again? Lucas would have. Uh, sorry, I keep saying his name. Going it deep? was definitely all day every day. The all one day that every looked day. bad. Okay. The one that looked bad. But I don't think that all day every day would have the sandwich in the baggie. We need the sandwich DNA. This is what we need. We I can't need believe the they did zero DNA on the sandwich bag. Okay, the loser of the whole episode two is maybe all of the people at the IDC who did yeah. not test diddly squat in yeah. this case because I have yeah. had it. They didn't do shotgun residue on anybody's hands. They didn't no, do the gun residue. I don't the, get any answers. Mm-mm. Whatever. Um, no, it's a good theory. I like it. Um, okay. Let's do better titles. I don't, um, I don't have very many. Mine aren't very good. Um, first I, of all, I'll, we don't we do agree we don't like Before Dawn, right? Because bef- Before Dawn is Twilight. 
percent of the episodes happen at night. It's not also before dawn. It's actually at dawn. Why don't we call it rising dawn? Yeah, you're right. It's at five o'clock. I don't know what time the sun rose that day. But we can see on the dash cam that it's not in infrared. There's actual right, light true. outside. That's and true. isn't is dawn actually when the sun rises or when it gets light outside? I don't Starts know. Do you light. really want to ask a scientific question of us right now? No. It's going to end up embarrassing for everybody. I'm, I'm already embarrassed. I have to cut it out. Okay. okay. Um, so I had in the weeds. Okay. I don't know. It's all right. Because of the high grass? I feel like it could definitely be. Yeah. And also Seth was, they're all in the weeds. It's metaphorical and literal. And then I had okay. reaching, reaching across the aisle. Because oh. that's what the two families did in the courtroom. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was That's good. That's nice. And then I had Deputy Marty earns his stripes. I don't know why. I was Aww. enamored by Deputy Marty. And then I had the last strike because of bowling. Oh, my God. I couldn't think of any other bowling terms. It got real rough. And then I went so far as I kept thinking Seth What and about Rachel. a spare sandwich? Oh, that's so good. That's so much better. A bullet to spare. Oh, yeah, dang there it. There you go. There okay. you go. Okay. Thank you for helping me. I'm upset. That's good. That was yeah. good. So at least a little bit redeemed. And then I went so far as to actually look up who Seth and Rachel were in the Bible because it was making <laughs> me crazy because I knew they were both biblical names. And I was like, I feel like Seth and Rachel may have been married. I feel like Seth and Rachel are a couple in the Bible. They're not. No, I don't think so. No, Seth is way early. Like, yeah. Seth is Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and Rachel's oh. later. But apparently in looking up Seth, Seth, according to Wikipedia, lived to be 912 years old. Yeah. I don't think this Seth is going to make it that long. Okay, so I got... I don't know if you'll get this. Bang, bang, bang on the door, Dennis. Do you remember when he says that? He says it? Dennis says it? Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Do you they, think Dennis... And they, think, it was three, exactly like Love Shack. Is Dennis a B-52s fan? I kind of think so. Um, I tried to get something going with the title with um, an Elvis, PB, and J, and Banana, and Bacon. I tried something. an Elvis, too. I tried, because he loved the PB and Banana sandwiches, and this is a PB and J and I really thought it could come together, but I couldn't. I okay, know. anyways, um, I have We Can't Go On Together with Suspicious Minds. That was good. Um, and then my last one is No Shirt, No Shoes, No Alibi. Brilliant. Thank you. You know that's good. Thank you. You, you know that's like top three. I'm proud of myself. I'm going to really have to do a good job next time. Thank, thank you. I'm going to be under a lot of pressure. Okay. <laughs> Self-imposed pressure. <laughs> um, uh, so let's really quickly say that bingo, we have cards on our website. Y'all know this. They are already outdated. I feel like I'm looking for suggestions. Tweet okay. us, Instagram us, email us at date, dateline at gmail.com. I'm adding a bunch of different ones to make them way more full of variety even josh mankowitz got in on it this week he tweeted us a suggestion what was it it he he tweeted if i hit f7 on my keyboard it prints out the police heard a very different story that's really cute Uh because that's one of the quotes he always says yep so it's going on the cards 
Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Mink. I know. He gave us a suggestion. So we're looking for more bingo suggestions. Um, should we go to Twitter for the week? Yes, my okay. favorite. Bad Ombre Victor, the sandwich had an affair too. The sandwich affair. That's good. Did it not seem like everyone was having an affair with everyone though? It really was. Um, Barty B. Barty. Todd is also a headstone designer. Whoa, Todd full of layers. <laughs> he was a deep cop. Todd is like a, a man, a, what you'd call a renaissance man, I think. He is Todd the renaissance yeah. man. He definitely was. Wait, I just had a thought. Do you think one of the cops dropped the sandwich and none of them wanted to <laughs> own up to it? That's totally possible. I feel like Deputy Marty, Marty? absolutely yeah. could have dropped that sandwich. Yeah, it could have been oh, Marty. dang it. Case solved. Yeah. There we um, go. Robbie, Paula... Yeah, despite the footage so far, bowling is not the central focus of our lives in Iowa. Thank you, Paula, because I had serious questions about that. Um, Safety Girl 100. Kind of wish Rachel would have said, ew, gross, when asked if they had sex. (laughs) (laughs) She did have kind of disdain on her face. No. Did you just kiss? Yes. Like, she was not... Happy. No, I think it was way more about her purity Ew. and her not wanting to wreck a family. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Morals. Um, F- Cypress Rose. Plot twist. Dateline Seth has a peanut allergy. This sandwich couldn't be his. That would have been great. Right? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. My dun. son, Seth, is allergic to peanuts. And the judge would be like, case dismissed. <laughs> We're um, sorry, son. <laughs> Feel free. Sorry about your illness. Go ahead. Um, Megan, the script. Somebody pet the dog. I feel bad for the dog. Um, Sharon Champagne. Could somebody please explain to the dog what happened? People are very concerned about the dog. Uh, Irma Scott. Someone put the dog on the stand. And then they use the meme, which is my favorite meme. And it's if you Google um, dog taking the stand meme. And it's this, like, German shepherd, and he has his hand on a Bible, and he's being sworn in, and he's staring straight ahead, and the caption kills me. It's like, um, you're going to jail, Greg, because the dog looks like right gonna about to screw over the defendant. He's just oh my gosh. being sworn in, and he's like, you're going to jail, Greg. Did you find it? Dog swearing in. Oh, I, I did dog taking the stand. Hold on. Dog swearing in. It's worth but, it. But something did come up about a dog in a French trial. Ooh. There go. Oh, there he is. Oh, my gosh. So serious. Yeah. Mm. You're, you're going to effing jail, Brian. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> <what> I... <laughs> Brian? That's a... Yeah. So our last one is Erica Fisher, 881. If Seth and Rachel ended up together, they would be that couple on Facebook to have a joint account username, the Resuscitators, and a profile picture of them together in camo holding up the deer they just shot together. It's perfect. It's yeah. absolutely correct. But we didn't talk about the resuscitators. So they yes. asked her on the stand. They said there's a text from him saying, hello, Mrs. Resuscitator, which I guess his nickname around the office was Mr. Resuscitator because he would brag about his life-saving abilities. And he was going to break up with his wife. And so he said, you're going to be Mrs. Resuscitator. So romantic. That is the longest nickname I've ever heard no, it in is. my it's life. It's way too many. It's syllables. a tongue twister. Hi, yeah. Mr. Resuscitator. 
What a weird nickname to get. Why? But also, it just you know, be... he bragged a lot at the office, and because it was a... really annoying. Because he's a volunteer firefighters, and sometimes volunteer firefighters get a little full, get a little <laughs> full of themselves. <laughs> they Especially don't when they're young. The lack of hubris that real firefighters have. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how that's a turn on, Mister Resuscitator. And also, like, like, what? He's going to literally marry this girl the minute he breaks up with his wife? They're going to get matching mailing labels that say Mr. and Mrs. Resuscitator. Whatever. Um, So what else do we have to say? What is your rating? We never do ratings anymore. How many cell phone pings out of five? I didn't even do it because... Well, just do it now. It's not that hard. You're smart. You can do it. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Mom. (laughs) I'll do... Let's go... I'm going to go with... 3.4 3.4 cell Ooh, phone pings out of low. 5. It was okay. I it was okay. I'm going to go with 4.1. I'm okay, gonna go that's higher. nice. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Um, I don't think he did it for sure. So Okay, he did it. What probably. about the looking in the grass thing that you found? What about all day, every day? Why was he looking in the grass? Maybe he was looking for something else. What? Like his weed that he threw out when he maybe, saw Marty yeah, was maybe. coming? Maybe, yeah, maybe. You never know. Okay, things in the we have, news. We have a lot of things in the news. So I don't our, feel like talking about Whamageddon. I'm out. Just know that I'm out, and it was bad, and I made a baby how are cry. You, are you seriously not going to talk about it? Let me just put it. Let me just say my feelings on your being out on Whamageddon. I was inches away. I was yards away from being able to save you, and I was not able to. Because I was in the other room. Did but you I was feel a there bit like Kevin Costner in The Bodyguard? Is that what happens in The Bodyguard? Well, he I, he does save her, but he gets shot oh. for her. Yeah. You've never seen yeah. The Bodyguard? I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm amazed that you actually remember the plot of that movie. It's not that confusing. She needs a bodyguard. He's a bodyguard. They fall in love. That's and there's it. lots of running to each other in slow motion. I want to run to you. There you go. I remember the whole soundtrack by heart. That's the number most important one. part. Yeah, that is the most important part. We would like to thank everybody for helping us get 100 reviews on iTunes. That's Yay! awesome. Finally. That was really That's exciting. Awesome. Yeah, and we're beyond excited. That to us was a really big goal. So it was super cool. Um, we didn't get any donations this week. But we'd like to thank everyone who thought about it. We are throughout this month into next month. We're going to be doing a few, some exciting things. We're going to be working on a few new shows. So in addition to this show, we're not going to stop this one. But we have a couple ideas that we've been toying around. And we're actually going to start releasing them. Again, what we're trying to do is get you through the Olympics hump. Because yeah. there will be a very painful said a few weeks in February where we won't have Dateline on TV. So mm-hmm. we're going to try to get you through that. We're going to get through it together by hopefully having some new content that we can put out. But It'll we really could good. use a little bit of extra money to help us. with Definitely that. to help us with our storage, for yeah. sure. It would, because we have to store all of these. There's it's like a, lot a of, file issue. There's a lot really of complicated it. technical stuff that goes into it that we're learning as we go. Um <laughs> It turns out it's part of the reason why you only see 10 of our episodes on iTunes is probably my fault. But that's cool. Yeah. That's fine. We're, it's okay. we're working on it. We're working on can. it. Yeah. And if you want our older episodes, go to our website, uh, datewithdateline.com. Yeah. And you, you can get them there. They're all listed there. And they're all free. Okay. Everyone follow us on Twitter, Instagram, 
Facebook. Subscribe and write a review on iTunes. That's the most important thing. You can make a donation, paypal.me forward slash date with Dateline, and sign our petition for Dateline merch on change.org. Don't forget. We are making this is, yes, we can. Yes, <laughs> we can. This is how we make change. This is a grassroots level thing oh, to get socks and snuggies that say Dateline for all of us. But we want more. We want coloring books. Where it has different color, you can color in Mankey's pocket squares. So yeah. uh, come on, sign the petition, and then sign one to like give children food or something that means something. Yes, um, please. And uh, I think that's oh, all. and our charity, yeah, and our charity ends next Friday. Yes, so if we'll, you make a donation. If you make a donation, we'll still we're we're still honoring the fifteen percent to charity. So. That's coming to an end because we're changing everything. Yes. Not everything, but some things. So yeah. You'll see. Um, everybody, don't watch alone. Rachel and some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Little watch less conversation, with... a little more action. <laughs> watch with all deep, every day, deepest. Oh, my God. Watch all day, every day. balls. <laughs> oh, God. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>